Ladies and gentlemen, today our episode is a bit different. It's of a short form that I talked to、uh, one and only Kenwar Gill about his plurilingual journey. It is a very special episode, and he prepared an excellent show note,、uh, which we're gonna put up on the podcast uh, uh, page. And I encourage you to take a look at this show note. It is an amazing、uh, piece of work. And Kenwar himself is an aspiring teacher. He's trying to become a、uh, teacher very soon. I mean, in my eyes, he already is. He was born one, but、um, but let's hear from him exactly how being a plurilingual, which he's going to explain what it is,、uh, helped、uh, shape his personality, his、uh, his identity, as well as how it's going to help him develop. Um, his teaching abilities and help him be a better teacher、uh, in in the in the years to come.、Um, my good friend Kenwar Gill, enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and hello, Kenwar. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. I'm doing great.、Uh, today we're talking about something super interesting. It's called. Uh, being a plurilingual, I hope I say that right. Now, what yes, is or who rather is a plurilingual? Right. So,、uh, plurilingual in the field of working with people who have different language repertoire. So we are looking at people, for example, who have,、um, in this case, students who have、um, more than one languages that they're fluent in.、Um, And these are sometimes known as L1, which stands for your home language. L2, in that case, would be the language you want to learn.、Um, and L2, in, in, their, in this example, would be, say, for example, the English language. So, plurilingual is a person who can、um, move between these different languages. So, the idea is that you can think、uh, in different languages and have that conversation going on. Uh, so it's different than thinking as a multilingual,、uh, which is a common notion.、Uh, most people think of a multilingual as somebody who knows more than one language, which is true.、Uh, but a multilingual cannot be treated treated as two monolinguals in one person because all the time、uh, you are making a switch between languages. You're not having any segregation or separation between the languages at different instances. So plurilingual. Essentially, encompasses that and gives that whole holistic experience and holistic notion of what it really means to know more than one language. I see. I see. Now, I take it that you yourself、uh, know multiple languages. I at least, actually, for a fact, I do know that. So, how many languages do you know, and how did you end up learning them? That's a great question. So,、um, my I have two mother tongues,、um, uh, Punjabi and Hindi. And both of them、um, are essentially a product of,、um, you know, my parents.、Um, they are both Punjabi native speakers, and Hindi was because I was at the, when I was growing up in India. Hindi is、uh, the national language, so we use that for, you know, like school instruction as well. But also, you see that in social media, in TV shows, etc. So、uh, those two really played a heavy role、uh, in my upbringing. Um, yeah. Excellent.、Um, and now, wh- wh- which which of them do you use、uh, most on a regular basis,、uh, and which one? And if if and the other ones, if you use them, in what capacity do you use the other ones? 
Right. So um, uh, let me backtrack a little. So um, Punjabi is my mother tongue and the city that I was uh, brought up in, uh, I was born in the city of uh, Chandigarh, uh, which is uh, in the northern part of uh, India. Right. It's a pretty big town. It has a population of one million people, and that's a 2011 census. Um, so that's like, uh, pretty much uh, cool. Like if you do the math, it's like very it's it's a it's a pretty big city compared to uh, say Toronto. Yeah. Um, but also the fact that Punjabi itself has different dialects, right? So there's um different dialects. For example, Duaba is uh, one of the common ones, and Malwi is another one, and then there's another one called Puari. And um, growing up, because I was living in a big city, the dialect that I was speaking was essentially the dialect that was spoken in the city. So it was different than these traditional dialects that you might hear in small towns. And as a, in a sense, um, you know, it, it did bring about socioeconomic differences. So if you hear somebody speaking a certain dialect, you can tell, okay, like what kind of um, background they have, what kind mm-hmm. of education they do. Uh, so those things are um, an essential influence of uh, if you really um, think about dialects and sometimes, you know, it can influence you if you talk to somebody as well. Um, so for me, it, it really Punjabi was um, really the main language that I was learning um, and then was followed by Hindi. Right. Uh, and and now English. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> obviously that's um, that's a given. Now you mentioned actually societal impact and cultural impact of these mm-hmm. languages. Now I want to ask you how has um, each of these languages shaped how you see the world, uh, what you think of the world, and how did they collectively help you um, uh, with with your current perspective uh, of the events of the world? Right. So um, the cultural impact. So I do have, so Punjabi itself is, you know, it's part of my identity. It's uh, the culture that I'm brought up in, the language that you speak, and then the religion, um, the Sikh religion, for example, Punjabi is uh, the language of communication. Uh, So it's more than just the language. It really defines um, the way I think and the kind of people that, uh, for example, I associate with uh, when I was growing up. And it really, it's kind of, it's, it's, it kind of makes me who I am. And I think this is really key for me, and I think it's uh, it, it positions me in a in a position where I can use this uh, to my advantage when I go, for example, and then in a school setting where there are different students who have different backgrounds and students who have more than one language, and they use maybe they are not uh, proficient in English, and they're learning um, the language. And I could relate with them because I was in their shoes at one point and mm-hmm. I did go through that, uh, you know, the resistance, for example, because I remember when I came to to Canada, I had, I had to go through the adjustment period. Um, and that adjustment period, uh, Cummins has, um, um, is a famous author who talks a lot about how to work with students who are learning English. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talks, uh, he's mentioned about the idea of adjustment so as you when you do come to a new place uh, there's what he calls this four different stages and the first stage is where you have the arrival and the first impressions and that's really where i was when i came here you know even as i'm i'm talking about my journey to this country even though i came here straight from my secondary school going straight into post-secondary but there was still some notion i had to learn 
um, you know, the jargon, the conversational jargon that Canadians use and phrases that they use. And um, it, what I figured, uh, and this is what the research says as well, is that uh, the conversational language, you pick it, pick it, uh, you pick it up early. So you watch TV shows, you interact with people, uh, you pick up those uh, way of uh, speaking. Uh, so that's not an issue. Um, in, in, in the schools, um, research shows that within two years, uh, if a new student comes in within two years, they can have a good conversational command of the language, for example. However, uh, just understanding that can be a false dichotomy because just now seeing that, okay, as for example, if you put yourself in the shoes of a teacher, you see a student who is learning the language and now is is making a good headway uh, in terms of conversing in English. Um, that could could give you a false uh, picture because their academic language might still be falling behind. Mm. And when I say academic language, that's really uh, in the, in the field of languages we talk about dialects, which is you know it brings about the notion of socioeconomics and you know the geographical parts because a dialect is usually associated with a geographical region. Mm. But then we also have something called registers. So registers is what, um, uh, for example, one register, which is very common, is a conversation that we have. Um, mm -hmm. Another most common is the academic. Mm -hmm. And when I say academic, that really then boils down to what kind of field that is your, is your forte, right? So if, if you're in the field of mathematics education, your academic language register would be way different than somebody who's in psychology. Mm -hmm. uh, so you build on those, uh, but as a teacher, you might uh, not uh, realize this, but the teacher, uh, and this applies to me too, you know, going down, but also seeing that, okay, this is, um, the, it's good that they're learning the conversational language, um, but for the academic language, they would need support and you have to mm -hmm. be with them during that time. You can't just see, okay, they are doing good. So I can just uh, take off all the support because um, that would be uh, actually detrimental mm -hmm. to their journey uh, in learning English. Excellent. As you answered my final question before me even asking it, I'm going <laughs> to jump to the final bit. Um, is, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to pitch in at this uh, ending stage? Uh, yes. So I think um, as, a, as, a, as a new teacher, it's really important for me to kind of use my own experiences that I uh, had. And I, I, again, going back to what I said before, uh, it's it's I find that a blessing because uh, I can use that and really um, you know be more empathetic with my students and create an environment in the class which is more safe and inclusive because um, in that kind of environment they can take risks uh, they know that they're not alone they would not be ridiculed um, because um, I could relate to that um, notion because when I was um, growing up uh, back in India and then. I was in an English medium school, but in the class, the environment was not at all safe. So mm -hmm. anytime you're not speaking in English, you would be scolded or you would be mm -hmm. shut down. Uh, why are you not speaking in English? And I feel that's a very negative. It's, it's, it's a deficit thinking where you're thinking whatever language you're speaking is, um, is, is a deficit. It's not an asset that you possess. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're not using that, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a leverage to get you, uh, get the student where you want them to be. Um, so that understanding is important because I've experienced that. And as a teacher, I would want to make sure that I do not, um, I'm more mindful of that in the class. Um, but also, you know, with, with language, there's different ways people learn. Uh, there's different theories that we talk about. 
Uh, there's a theory uh, of imitation and habit formation where you learn by like you, um, for example, when you interact with your parents um, or your mother, uh, you learn how to say mama or papa, right? So that's the theory where you uh, learn by imitation. Uh, and that was, uh, to some extent, that has been part of my own journey, learning Punjabi as my mother tongue, uh, but also social interaction. That's another famous theory where now you interact with um, others and you learn in that process. So mm-hmm. in, in the field of education, this is known as uh, the zone of proximal development. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you know something, but I'm going to push you a little outside of that zone, but I'm not going to go too far because at that point you might not feel safe. So I'm going to nudge just a little outside the circle that you're or the zone that you are comfortable in. And then uh, in that um in that place is where most learning can occur. And also at the same time, you are uh, including a challenging aspect to that learning. So it's not just uh, mm-hmm. easy, but there is some form of challenge, but also it's not too uncomfortable or too risky uh, for the student. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's important for me to also keep in mind, you know, um, and that's something I want to take with me, um, making sure those theories of language learning and you know really contextualizing that in the classroom um, and seeing how uh, what works what does not work and how i can uh, modify my uh, language instruction how i can use that to my advantage and really use it across the curriculum not just in in literacy but also in other subject areas like mathematics science and so on excellent uh, i i appreciate that your time is limited so um I'm going to let you go, but uh, before I do that, uh, is there anywhere that people can find you, uh, a website or something, perhaps? Um, so right now, uh, at the moment, I do not have a fully functioning website, but as soon as I have one, uh, I'm thinking of having blog posts where I can share more insights or you know some techniques and strategies that work for me um, to share with others and also learn from others uh, in the process. So as soon as I have that, I will let you know. Excellent. And we'll have you back again. And thank you for your time today. Perfect. And uh, until a later episode and a, a great chat with you as, a, as, as, we, as you hopefully get your blog post going, uh, yes. we'll have you back. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> you right. for having me. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.